Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast. We've got a voicemail from our good friend, Jonathan Leonard. Hey, Greg. This is Jonathan once again calling in uh, with thoughts on I'm Your Boyfriend now. Um, this is uh, just a quick sort of personal story, but funny and related. Um, this came out like when I was in college and my, who at the time was somebody I was hanging out with, then became my girlfriend, now my wife and uh, mother of my two children. Um, I would unironically uh, listen to this song as I was driving the hour and ten minutes from St. Cloud to where she lived and uh, sang this song, uh, complete, completely blissfully unaware of how creepy uh, the song is. But at that point, she uh, is and has been my first and only girlfriend I ever had. So I just saw this as a justifiable, uh, obsessive way to sing about the girl you like, especially when uh, she's the first. But uh, anyways... Thank you for the show, Greg, as always, and keep them, up, uh, keep them coming. Bye. Thanks for calling, Jonathan, and sharing that story with us. Uh, anybody could leave us a voicemail at 224-801-2930. And on with the show. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. Now, I've got two guys that are returning, one returning... Chris, this is your third appearance now. You were in Patreon Peeps Party number two. You were in Reprehensible, which aired, I don't know, sometime before this. I'm not sure. And and you're back for a third time, a second regular episode. And then we've got uh, Jacob here. Jacob McLeod. McLeod. Okay, I knew I was going to mess it up again. I've talked to like 12 people since... I've talked to more than that, I think, since I talked to you last. McLeod. And you are here. You are on the first Patreon Peeps Party, but this is your first regular song episode. And I, of course, am Greg Simpson, and we're going to talk about a big one. Experimental film off of the spine. Here we go. I'm still figuring out what's going to go 
What's up, fellas? Hey. Hi. Whoa. What up? Yeah. Okay. So we've got we've got Indiana representing, Ohio representing, and Florida representing all nice conservative Republican states where the governors are very smart people and making very good choices about safety concerns. <laughs> Just kidding. All our states suck. Um, surprisingly, though, it seems like. It seems like uh, Chris, you got the worst of them. I yeah. think. What's your dude's What's your dude's name? DeSantis. Yeah. Yeah, he's interesting. People kind of stepped in, right? We talked about this unreprehensible, but how are things about uh, around you right now, Jacob? Um, COVID, COVID wise. I mean, the governor of Ohio is uh, a Republican, but people, everyone seems to be saying he's doing an okay job with it, but. That's the vibe I was getting. That he really wasn't fucking it up too bad. I mean, my friend Scott Heisel, my best Midwestern, my other podcast that my co-host, he lives in Cleveland, um, and he he seemed to think like it wasn't. I mean, things are bad everywhere, but like there were some states that were really holding out on like locking stuff down. Like, oh, it's fine. But I think any state that has a sizable, you know, I mean, Ohio's got a bunch of sizable cities, so. Can't be too reckless there, um, but yeah, let's let's not dwell too much on all that stuff because that's what everyone's talking about anyway. So let's talk about something more fun. Let's talk about they might be giants. Now, uh, people should go listen to uh, Chris's reprehensible episode to hear his full story about getting into the band. So let's talk to Jacob here. Uh, give us the full low down on how you got into they might be giants. Hey, so uh, I was a fan of a lot of uh, different people who were also inspired by they might be giants for a really oh, yeah. long time um yeah like who uh neil cicerica and uh well i mean i kind of found him through the internet uh, three different times through three different projects it's uh okay uh, lemon demon and potter puppet pals his mashup albums, um, but uh, Weird Al and uh, of course, of course, yeah, I was comedy type music, which a couple of uh, like group of comedy musicians, and and a few of them are members of Miscellaneous T. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so you do spend some time on the internet. You're trying to tell me you're like. Like off in the backwoods, like just living off the grid here. But I know that's not true. You're 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 I sneaking around miscellaneous T Facebook crew. Lurker. <laughs> We're on to you. Yeah. So um how old are you again? Twenty four. Yes, you're a youngin'. So how old were you when you when you were first finding out about him? Uh, I think I was uh fifteen. And I just heard a couple of their songs through the uh, Pandora radio because, like, uh, looking for stuff like Weird Al, I guess, because I was obsessed with Weird Al at the time. And, sure. Um, it had, like, accordion in the algorithm or something. Yes. It's just playing, you know, also, like uh, Arcade Fire and Decemberists and uh, Bare Naked Ladies and some. some uh, uh, yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I, 
I don't think I heard much other than Istanbul and uh, why does the sun shine, the severe tire damage version of that. And uh, then I, I good version. on YouTube heard why does the sun really shine and uh, <laughs> yeah. other songs. Um, so when did you, when did you hear experimental film? Um, I don't, I think that was in my freshman or sophomore year of college when I was really getting into their back catalog, but I, I could have heard it on homestarrunner.com, but yeah. I didn't really look for their into. They might be giants if I did. Um, right. I mean, 2004, I mean, when that was first coming out, you were, you were a youngin. Yeah. Uh, Me and Chris, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not as young. <laughs> I mean, Homestar was like right in my wheelhouse uh, when I was in college. Yeah. I mean, I had already, I graduated college in 03, so this was after that, but I was still like keeping up with it. I found out about it in college, you know, the I, being in the little computer lab that was in the music building. We had all those those big ass those those uh, the IMAX that were different colors like the you know the big wide <laughs> just a oh, big fucking orb right? Bowls. What did I they call those? They look like fishbowls. Right, right, right. Yeah. So our music lab had like six of those, all different colors, and <laughs> with with fucking like z- uh, zip disk drives. You remember zip yes. disks? Is fucking like they were the size of like a sandwich. And uh, and so I do my composition projects on there, and then someone would inevitably come in, and uh, we'd watch Homestar Runner for a half hour instead, um, and you know Strong Bad's emails and Trogdor and all that stuff, the Burninator. Um, and so then, yeah, and it's funny though. I think I kind of missed the video, the music video, right when it came out. I don't know why. Like, I mean, 2004 internet was a lot different than than 2020 internet like there was still stuff that could slip by you i mean chris you can attest to this right oh, I yeah mean, totally because i don't i only saw this video when it came out on the venue songs dvd oh really yeah 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 i i, I can't really pinpoint when i did finally see it but i remember being like because i love the song i got the spine right away i mean i got indestructible object before you know i got that right when it came out and then i got the spine um, I still to this day do not own a physical copy of the Spine Surfs Alone. I tried to buy one on Discogs not too long ago, and the seller was stupid. I didn't end up getting it. Um, I don't know what happened there, but someday, she yeah, no, be mine. I only have that digital, also. Yeah, so like, um, I don't remember when exactly I did finally see the video, but I had loved the song. I mean, first track, banger on the Spine. And just like the, but the video somehow snuck under my radar because I mean, 2004, I believe YouTube was founded in 2004, but it was not yet owned by Google. I mean, it was starting to blow up, but it's not like, I mean, back then people were still having like, you know, Flash on all the websites and Flash players on Homestar and all this. Yeah. It wasn't as easy to just like, oh, I'm just watching a bunch of They Might Be Giants videos and it suggests this next one or it auto-plays to experimental film. Like, it wasn't... And it might work. It might not work. It might then. not work. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so when we were talking about this... So the way that it came to this came to be a three-person uh, episode is... Um, 
how did I post that exactly on the Patreon? Like we had, I put up a Patreon post. I'm like, I had um, some friends of mine had to drop off of this episode, and they had it claimed for like a year and a half, like before the podcast, before the podcast even launched. Like I was just, I was having people I knew claim songs, and these are some dudes exclusive. You were saying to Marty that you were gonna do this. Soon. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Because I was itching to do it. Because I mean, I had him on the show. I mean, I got him on the show. Like the show was only like three months old, and so the spreadsheet of picking songs was not nearly as full. And it was still mostly people I actually had met in real life, uh, including these dudes in this band called Telethon um, from Milwaukee. They are an awesome, awesome kind of power pop pop uh punk kind of band um very influenced by stuff like uh jeff rosenstock if if anyone likes that kind of stuff telethon are great they will end up on some episodes but they are busy dudes and their stuff actually even since in that year and a half like stuff has been kind of blowing up for them they've been getting some some moderate success and been touring a lot so like i was never able to nail them down it was supposed to be with kevin the guitarist and lead singer and um nate the keyboardist and so again, a group episode's always harder to, to schedule and I just could not get them nailed down and they're like, you know what, it's fine. They they gave up dead to Hutch Harris way back, uh, when Hutch was like, I want to do dead and I asked them, they're like, Yeah, it's fine, we're busy, let them do that. And now and now you guys are taking experimental film. But they are still signed up for minimum wage, so at the very least, <laughs> telethon dudes will be on minimum wage. Uh but for now on the Patreon I was like uh, they had dropped off. I'm like, I want to do this goddamn song. Who's doing it? One of you patrons gets to do it. What's going on? And then um, a bunch of the usual suspects were like, I'll do it. They were on there first. I mean, and I'm like, well, you've done three episodes. You've done two episodes. You've done four episodes. How about we let Jacob be on one? <laughs> I mean, you were on the Patreon one. And then Chris, you too. You had only been on the Patreon one at that point. Uh, the Patreon party. So I'm like, let's let both of these guys do it. So here we are. And um, Jake, was there anything else that, uh, before we fully move into the song, anything else about your story of, um, well, well uh, since you ended, you jumped on and you were like, yeah, I'll be on that episode. Um, do you have any special like history with uh, this song or the spine in particular? Or was it just like, that's a really good song. I'll be on that episode. Not, not really. I just, um, I got... <laughs> into Homestar Runner uh, uh, when I was like nine. Uh, nine. Like, <laughs> 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 All the old people laugh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to imagine watching Homestar as a nine-year-old. I mean, it's not inappropriate. I mean, it, it really makes sense that they worked with them, that they might be giants and, they, and those guys worked together because it's not crude but it's not meant for kids i mean it's like you know the simpsons paved the way for adult cartoons and this is like a decade later homestar runner comes along so it's it's in that vein it looks like it would be made for kids but then you got like strong sad and all these very like these characters that are not it's not a disney cartoon you know and you know and 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 you know strong bad is like you know making fun of people and you know it's it's not for kids what did, so what did you make of it when you were nine I, and did your parents know I, you were I, watching it i thought it was funny i 
my mom was kind of aware. Uh, and, I mean, they they knew I was watching, I think, but not really yeah. what it was. Like, I mean, it, it's I a lot easier to sneak stuff in the modern era, in the internet era, because when Chris and I were young, it was like. You know, if you were on the internet, everybody knew it because it shut down the phone line in yeah. the house, right? Um, or if you were trying to sneak something on TV, I don't know about you, Chris, but we only had one TV in the house for most of my childhood. We got a second one uh, for me to have my Nintendo on, so I wasn't taking over the TV the whole time. But it was right, it was basically around the corner in what we called the playroom. So we had like the family room with the main TV, and then we had like you couldn't sneak like some inappropriate show. Because your parents were right there, or like I was lucky. They, I had a TV in my bedroom from oh, when I was spoiled like in, brat. Yeah, se- <laughs> seventh grade up. So oh, okay, because yeah. I had my Genesis in my room. So Genesis does. I was thinking more like I mean, you were saying like nine, like in elementary school age. Like once you get up to middle school, I could see you know getting a TV or. I mean, these days, kids are getting cell phones when they're fucking, like, you know, seven. But, like, it seemed to usually be, like, middle school was, like, a step up. You know, you'd get that next level of uh, responsibility. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can have a TV in your room, Christopher, but you can't watch it past 10 p.m. on Friday. Yes, exactly. Whatever. Right? <laughs> but, like, watching Homestar Runner at nine, like, when you're nine, you're in fourth grade. So, like... For us, when we were in fourth grade, it's like you, yeah, you'd have to sneak down. I mean, I didn't, yeah, we'd have to sneak down to the family room and turn on the TV yeah. and watch whatever inappropriate thing is on, and we'd get caught and we'd get sent back to our room and told to go to bed. But like these days, like, I mean, actually, there, on a more serious note, there are kids like getting in trouble or getting caught for watching really inappropriate things because their parents don't put on the correct, you know parental controls on the internet and stuff like that and then things happen and they see things they shouldn't see and etc um homestar runner is not that bad but it's not made for nine-year-olds really that's not but but i don't think it would have scarred you too bad did it did it scar you did strong bad scar you for life jacob Oh no, no. I guess we'll find out. Like, my parents like had a sense that it was somewhat inappropriate for me, but not like yeah. extremely inappropriate. So Yeah. It's maybe one of those things where they're like we're like, we'll let you watch this, just don't go burning things like, you know. Strong bad. I just remember. I just, don't I, recreate I just, I, I, anything I, I, you see. <laughs> right. Don't and don't attempt to use your computer with boxing gloves on because it won't. You know, you could damage it. <laughs> I yeah. I actually just watched Trogdor not too long ago. I was showing it to um, Laura and the art teacher at our school, and she is twenty five, so she's around your age, and she was aware of Homestar. I don't think she was really into it, but I showed that to her, and she's like, "Oh my god, I've seen this," and it's still so goddamn funny. And I just felt like he's, he's teaching all the other characters how to draw the dragon and the, the S and then the concept and then another S and then to put the little wingadings and the big beefy arm on there for some reason. And <laughs> he's going around checking the other, um, 
What character was it that or was it Strong said that drew the really good looking dragon, and then he's like, it, then he basically lights it on fire. He like drops this. He's like, here's what I think of that. And throws his lighter down and and torches his drawing. <laughs> See, that's something where uh, an impressionable youth like yourself, Jacob, did you go around burning things after you saw Trogdor the Burninator? <laughs> no, I think after I saw an episode of Powerpuff Girls, I prank called some people and then oh, yeah? my dad got <laughs> really upset with me and uh but that was made for kids yeah was <laughs> they prank called people <laughs> the bad guys do it which i guess uh is <laughs> <laughs> wasn't this already the uh caller id era <laughs> they can't prank call people anymore <laughs> Uh, I mean, you could try, but it's a lot easier to get caught. You got to do it from the payphone, and there aren't any of those anywhere. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On occasion, I'll see one. I saw there was actually one outside a grocery store. I'm like, oh my god! I go and pick it up, but it's dead. It's not in service. It's just still there. The physical phone. <laughs> oh boy. You know, I'll just talk about Homestar. Let's play. Um. Uh, Chris here it, it did all of my work for me this time, and uh, just like last time, and the, the DVD commentary. Uh, so, was this the, on the the Venue Songs DVD? Was the commentary um, on there? So I'm trying. I don't remember if it is, but I know it says on the YouTube video DVD is HomestarRunner.com. Everything else, Volume One. And okay. that there were two different commentaries, one that was on the website and one that was exclusive to the DVD. So I have to pull out venue songs at some point and see what yeah. that has. Yeah, I do have a physical venue songs now. I hadn't, I don't remember that. But um, what? I, actually, I wanted to ask you guys. To, I I feel like there's not a lot of people who might have, or there's a lot of people who might have missed this. Do you think with just the audio, does it make enough sense for me to put, like, the whole thing in? I mean, it's only a three-minute song. I mean, there's a lot of really funny parts. Um, should I play it? I mean, as far as just audio goes, some of it might be a little hard to decipher. But um, do you think it makes sense for me to put the whole thing in there? Would that be funny? Like, without – it's hard to imagine, like – I would think so because some of the yeah. commentary they do make – about flans is ridiculous and funny and anybody yeah. who's a fan of the band would appreciate hearing about the guy with glasses <laughs> all right well here yeah <laughs> who's who's that creepy guy or whatever they say i don't know <laughs> do we know who that weird guy is um all right so yeah without further ado let's uh let's listen to all three minutes of the uh the, the homestar characters doing commentary for the experimental film video i'm guessing people probably have seen the video and you can go and watch the commentary video but let's just play the whole thing because it's funny uh so here we go oh uh, hello this is strong sad and that's the cheat and we're gonna talk about this video oh geez it's already started so the guys approached me to do a video for experimental film so i shot my own experimental film but the uh the glasses guy said that it was too much of a total drag so they brought the cheat on board to, as they said, make it quit sucking, which I, I guess is an industry term. I don't know. Well, the cheat wants you to know that he did this part, 
I think they probably figured that out. There he is, that glasses guy. You really dig those extreme climates, huh? The desert, the Arctic, football stadiums. So this scene is dealing with man's indecision and apathy. Oh, that scene was dealing with hitting coffee with a drumstick, eh? Okay, the cheat, come clean. Who's that creepy guy in the picture frame? Who's Stefan? Well, I can see he's our gracious host. But what does he have to do with anything? Okay, whatever keeps you off the streets. Let's see, those questions were, how many home runs did Hank Aaron have? Where did Lee surrender to Grant? What did Eli Whitney invent? And are you going to be in my experimental film? What class is that for? Oh, hello there, chumps. What are you guys doing here? Well, I'm here to save this commentary from a death worse than strong sad commentary. And I'm just deal widening all y'all's coattails. Well, maybe you could tell me how you got that video game to come up on the ATM. Maybe I'm some type of magic video game, man. Maybe you should start dealing with that, Strong Dad. Man, I wish I'd grab some of that black and white cash. That was Monopoly money. Yeah, but I'm gonna... <coughs> I sneezed. Yeah, black and white Monopoly money. That stuff is priceless. I've been living on Baltic Avenue. Well, this part's all about rebirth and new life. Yeah, yeah, whatever. This part coming up here is all about my new dance, the side swipe. Check it out. Uh, side swipe. It's Jog Set. What? It's Jog Set. What? Um, it's a lion. Oh, that was very insightful, the cheat. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, so what kind of soup was that? Like tomato basil or some kind of bisque? Ooh, mulligatawny. Can we talk about something artistic? No, but we can talk about how Real Smooth Moves is like the best band name I ever heard. These super giant guys should change their name from Super Giant to Real Smooth Moves. That's a band name. Oh, I'm out of here. Hope I still get paid. I like that. Four months ago, someone commented on it. Yeah, this actually went up just uh, not even a year ago. Four months ago, Jade Gecko said, well, this blows my mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love the whole fact of it. It's strong said, but it was so de- dragging that they brought the cheat in to make it a little happier. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I have shown this. Um, I haven't shown Homestar Runner as a standalone thing to any of my classes, but you know, some of my classes, uh, they all like every kid knows. I I love they might be giants, and the first graders do a program. Um, and even then, like the first graders from last year, they will sometimes request to watch some of those old videos if, like, you know, they've had a good day or whatever. We get a little reward, and we watch Doctor Worm. Um, at some point, I showed uh, some classes the the experimental film video, and it's a cartoon, but it's like they laugh at a lot of the stuff, but then other stuff they're like, huh? Like they, they're not um, – well, it's kind of like I said. It's not made for kids, but there's stuff the kids will laugh at, and the stuff that is like dark adult humor just passes right over them. Yeah, they, exactly. Right. They don't even realize like the – I mean, God, that, that one where where – that one part where Strong Sad's looking in his, ref- he's looking in the mirror and he's like shaving and he just looks so sad and he's holding a razor. Like it's just like very dark. It, just, it makes me think of uh, that scene in the Royal Tenenbaums, honestly. Um, 
And yeah, but the kids are just like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> and the whole thing, though, about shaking the ATM, oh, it's just Monopoly money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, uh, yeah, Jacob, did you get a chance to listen to that or had you heard that before? Uh, no. But you got a chance to watch it when Chris sent that email, yeah? Did you, yeah. Did you watch it yet? And you guys have seen the like improv jams they did with the Homestar Puppet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jacob, have you seen this? I think so. It's been a while. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I don't know if I've even... I mean, there's a lot of it. Like, There's a pretty long video of all of the little improv jams all together. And they're pretty funny. I mean, it goes on a little long, maybe, but it's like totally just like off-the-cuff stuff. So it's pretty funny. Um I mean, it's more the the comedy is more reliant on the the dude voicing. I'm blanking on these guys' names. That voices Homestar Runner, like improving jokes over top of these little grooves that the Johns and Marty are doing. Um, but it's, I mean, it's definitely worth watching for people to go go check that out. Um, you'll find it, YouTube savvy people. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about the song proper talked about the music video let's get to the stinking song so um chris what's uh uh, i mean we all know it's a great song but what do you like best about let's let's first stick to the musical elements of the song the opening track for the spine experimental film what what do you think chris what do you like all right so first thing first thing you gotta point out this is our introduce introduction of marty on the drums and he just comes in hot and heavy on this yeah i talked about that in that episode yeah yeah it's like here i am i am a real drummer and i could do this as well as anyone else who's been in the band and or any machine yeah, (laughs) yeah um one thing i did find out today so i sent that video for conan Yes, and we will we will uh, play that. Do we yeah. want to get to that now, or do you want to? Since it, was I'm there something yet? Okay, yeah. That's that's actually I did a bunch of research trying to figure out if that was Marty's first time with the uh-huh. band on TV. Yeah, he had done something on CBS in 2002, which is John and John. So oh. that Conan is the first appearance of the whole band in their modern view. Very in nice. their modern configuration back yeah. in August of 04. Folks, it's always a pleasure to welcome my next guest back to the show. They're here tonight with a song from their brand new album, The Spine. Please welcome the pride of Brooklyn. They might be giants. Look up. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I know because because Marty kind of joined the band in a weird way, and I remember, and I've talked to Dan Hickey since then too, 
where and he was fuzzy on the details. It's like I'm going right to the source. I'm like, so Marty said something about like he had to fill in for you at a gig or two, and that's kind of how it got started. He's like, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, like, today, yeah, that was a long time ago, man. Today, when I was trying to figure out if this was or wasn't, I went right to John Ulis, and I'm like, John, yeah. is this the first? And he's like, I honestly don't know. Oh, so I just started digging through you, you know every you're in bit of YouTube. <laughs> And I'm like, I think it is, John. I did everything through the old days of the wiki. And I'm like watching every YouTube clip from 02 to 04. Jesus. And yeah, I have a lot of free time now. So, well, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, wait, were there any. With that clip that Marty was in with the Johns in 02. Did you find any clips after that that Dan Hickey was in where like cuz there was I mean there's like a little gray area there. Yes. So there it yes. was Marty and then so he was filling in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man, he got to the bottom of it there cuz even Dan was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like I'm like cuz Marty said he had to fill in for you and he's like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> like I'm trying to been, confirm this, man. <laughs> it's been one of those things that's always been on my mind like where yeah. did the transition really happen? Yeah. Yeah, cuz it seems like with with Doherty to um Hickey, it seemed like it was a little bit more defined. Um Doherty was was like you know he wanted to get a normal life going and you know kind of just I mean he became a teacher you know a music teacher and has a family and all that so he was kind of like yeah I'm done with with being on the road like he still has done session rock and roll stuff but he's like I'm done being on the road bells are ringing he picked that that's like his last the the last thing anyone heard him play on in with they might be giants and then Dan Hickey's in but then with Dan to Marty, it's a little bit more yeah, wiggly of a line. Yeah. As even John Eulis pointed out, um, Marty was filling in when Dan what Dan Hickey wasn't available. Right. That's what I'm saying. And I was when I asked Dan, I'm like, oh, do you remember like why weren't you available? He's like, I don't remember. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> if the guy himself can't give us the facts, then we're, we we will never know. <laughs> Because Marty wasn't sure. He's like, I don't know. He just couldn't be there. And they asked me to do it. Yeah. Okay. Dan, why weren't you there? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, now you're, yeah. You're asking 16 years later, what happened on this date? <laughs> right. But if we, if we were going to confirm that, he's the guy to do it. And he couldn't do it. So we'll never know. Unless there's video or something of him. Like He's like, yeah, hey, I, I got to go do this thing. Yeah. Oh, so I was at this other thing. I don't know. <laughs> I was at my friend's wedding. Who knows? Who knows? How does Conan introduce him there? He says he always says something. The 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 pride of Brooklyn is that what he says there. He always gives them like a pretty grand announcement. Like yeah, like I think he said direct from Brooklyn or straight the off the subway. Of Brooklyn on this one, yeah, he always says a little little phrase like uh, straight off the subway <laughs> or whatever, something like that. Yeah, Chris. So we were we then we went on this little Conan thing and all the drummer the drummer talk. And you were mentioning that Phil and Marty, like me and him, talked about that you know over a year ago, year and a half ago, I guess by the time this airs. Where I was like, dude, that's pretty special to be like, this is my first. This is dude. This is your first album with the with us. We're an established band. Giving you a drum, Phil. Man, first. First thing anyone ever hears is a little flame, but a little hi hat hit, little fill, 
it's a cool it's a cool little fill too it's 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 uh it's got a little spice to it it does a lot in four beats <laughs> yeah um it's a great opening track for an album oh yeah so the the credits on this one, it's the you know it's the standard stuff. You got um, Linnell doing piano and some other keys. Um, the lead, uh, Flansburg does the backup switch with the uh, yeah all the the yes. Um, so you do get both voices, uh, both John's voices on the track. Uh, Flans and Miller on guitar, Danny Wankoff uh, on bass, Marty Beller on drums. So the the standard. Um, what is now known as the standard lineup. I mean, this is, yeah. this was, this was it, you know, and it is to this day, the, they might be giants lineup. Uh, uh, Jacob, what do you like about the, um, I mean, the lyrics are a whole, a whole can of worms, but what do you like about the musical elements um, of this song? So, uh, drums and the, it, I feel like the, the drums and the, uh, some guitars are doing something like interesting in the beginning, like in the intro. Know, I don't know really how to explain it, but like the the drum part is kind of. So it's not a it's not a super guitar heavy song, honestly. I mean, both guys are in there playing guitar, but really that piano is really up front, especially mm-hmm. like the low end of the piano. Ba 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 ba. It could be the piano that I'm thinking about. Uh, like the, at the beginning, there's kind of a bum 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 bum, and then bum bum in a different pitch. A little bit later, I'm trying to hear even when the guitars come in. They're not even in in that first verse, unless they're really low down. It's like all piano and bass and drums. Yeah, and they come in on the the pre-chorus I, i'd call that the pre-chorus and in the experimental film i'd call the chorus the yeah you're all gonna be in this so the pre-chorus is where the so the guitars don't even come in until it's for this experimental film they're doing these little lines little lines coming in that kind of get a more of a focus later in the song like on that little solo I'm not sure if that's the part you were talking about, but the color of infinity part, just bass, drums, and piano. I think I was talking about the piano. Um, yeah, he's smashing those the the low keys on that. And when you watch him play it live, I mean, I've I've because I've covered it be- live before, just pretty much straight up, and like. Yeah, it's really just back and forth with your hands a lot, and you're covering an octave with your thumb and pinky, which is like a big stretch. And, and I mean, John Linnell, it's not something hard for him, and he does it constantly. But, like, um, he's really pounding, like, the uh, octave of the low notes um, throughout that first verse. And him and Danny are both hitting that same thing. But for playing it, like, the song is in... Um, well, it's in, I think it's in G. Yeah. So it's a pretty decent piano key. Like it's mostly white white keys. Yeah, no, it's not in G. Why is the wiki always wrong with this? It always says the key of whatever. And half the time I look at it, it's wrong. I think it's actually in C. 
starts on G, but I don't think it's in G. Anyway, it's not that bad of a, a chord progression for the piano, but there still is. It's a it's very aggressively played. Um, I mean, it's a Linnell song. He pounds the shit out of it at the beginning. Uh, Chris, what uh, you got? Any more thoughts other than uh, the drum fill we already talked about uh, musically? Just that it is a great rocker, and the, yeah, the piano is what it's all about on this. I think. Um, but it is nice how the guitars really hone in on the chorus and then how it goes back and yeah, just really well constructed. Yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, it's a perfect rock song and the spine is full of just like big rockers of theirs. Um, I mean, this album was kind of like where they really honed their craft for like just these straight ahead power pop songs. And I mean, that's something that I kind of hold against the spine is that it doesn't have enough weird tracks. But if you're looking for the like sing along poppy numbers, the spine is where it's at. And this song is is the poppiest song on the album, the catchiest, most addictive song. And the chorus is just so great. Even if you don't know all the words, you can at least do the flans part and go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lion. Wait, that's not actually in there. Um, and I do like how the guitars get that little feature. Um, well, it's a guitar and synth kind of bounce off each other on the dear near 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 near, and then the synth comes in and do a little. They're playing off of the vocal melody, and it's such a strong melody that they're like, "Hey, guitars, do a little thing," but kind of make it like the vocals. <laughs> yeah. And then the keyboards are going to do kind of like the vocals because the melody, it, I mean, the song's only three minutes long. They don't overuse it at all. And every part of the song is catchy. Well, let's move to the lyrics then. Sounds like we're ready for the lyrics. So the I, I actually also, I was just clicking around and I ended up, without putting TMBG in the search bar, I just typed experimental film. And I'm like, oh, let's see what Wikipedia has to say about experimental film as in the genre so we, <laughs> so i'm just gonna take a peek at this real quick i haven't looked at this ahead of time let's see if there's anything worth talking about in here but we might as well find out with this narrator you know what uh it, you know he's probably a film student very excited about making something really weird so we've got um oh and then right on top of the, so it's experimental film for the and then in italics for the song by They Might Be Giants, see Experimental Film Song. So in case you were accidentally searching for the song <laughs> <laughs> that we're talking about. Experimental film, experimental cinema, or avant-garde cinema, is a mode of filmmaking that rigorously reevaluates cinematic conventions and explores non-narrative forms and alternatives to traditional narratives or methods of working. Many experimental films make your face implode. Just kidding. I added that part. Many experimental films, particularly early ones, relate to arts and other disciplines, painting, dance, literature, and poetry, or arise from research and development of new technical resources. Um, so then it talks about how like mostly these tend to be low-budget stuff, small crews, or a single person, um, self-financed or through grants. So yeah, it's like probably mostly young um poor you know i mean it's like with musicians the weirdest music is probably not going to make you the most money so the guys you go if you're going into experimental film you're not like shooting for for hollywood you're you're just going you're weird for the sake of weird because you want to do something that you know that you hope no one has done this before um though there are some people that have um gone on to 
commercial filmmaking, you know, afterwards, you know, it's like, again, like a lot of musicians, you start out being really weird or really abrasive or whatever, and eventually kind of hone your pop sensibilities if you want to make a career of it, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm just seeing if there's anything else here. Let's see. Um, yeah, probably one of the most famous experimental films would be Eraserhead by David Lynch. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of his stuff kind of could fall into this genre because even though he did get mainstream success, even his most successful stuff is pretty fucked up and very confusing at the least. Yeah. Very confusing. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so today, looking on YouTube, trying to f- figure out which covers I wanted to send you guys, uh-huh. it took me into a whole circle of oh, experimental boy. films. Yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I watched one which was about catharsis, and it involved colors and somebody getting thrown with paints and stuff. Oh, Nice. Um, but then there's this other one I found. It was all avant-garde films of the 1940s. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I Yeah, there's a lot of strange stuff on YouTube. Let's just put it that way. Oh, for sure. So it, there are a lot of... There's also a lot of important experimental films when it comes to, like, political statements, artistic statements. Um, I mean, there's a whole thing on the... A whole section of the Wikipedia about... Um, feminist uh and political movements in film um lgbtq uh films i mean a lot of stuff that wasn't going to make it into theaters at the time anyway because of prejudices and and whatnot um you know they'd make their statements and and get it in art houses and stuff like that you know wherever you know get your film shown wherever you can but the uh the narrator of this here story in this song to i don't know what you guys think but to me it just sounds like he just wants to um he wants to blow some minds but he doesn't know how i mean that's made pretty obvious throughout the song uh what do you think yeah what do you what do you think chris this (laughs) comes off honestly as one of linnell's most straightforward songs like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of hidden meaning in it it's just here's some ideas i want to make an experimental film i kind of know what i want to (laughs) do um yeah and it's just really artsy yeah yeah i mean other than like his factual songs like i would say james k polk is maybe the most straightforward uh linnell song in that it's pretty much an educational song um it's 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 got some I mean as the the very long James K Polk episode that I aired last year is any it tips you off uh there are some twists uh, and some political messages or the, uh, tips tips you off as to what the Johns think of James K Polk obviously so it's not sh- it's not strictly factual there's a little bit of opinion in there but as far as Linnell's songs that have narrators and um his narrators are usually weird people and uh, not to be trusted or are just don't know what they're doing. And in this case, it seems like I always took it as like a well-meaning college kid who doesn't really know how to craft a good film yet, but he knows he's going to try his damnedest to make 
the best experimental film he can, and he's just going to kind of wing it and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And he's got all these little vignettes of sort of what he wants to do. Right. He's got little germs of ideas. Yeah, Jacob? Uh, I also feel like it's like more a very straightforward song, I would say, about uh, kind of like uh, starting to make an experimental film, but, you know, not not really knowing like what you're gonna gonna do like but he already know he already knows how great it's gonna be (laughs) (laughs) it's it's gonna be great guys i just imagine him like talking up his friends like his non-film friends or like when he goes home for thanksgiving and the family's like oh so what are you up to at school and he's like well i'm starting to shoot this film it's it's and I, I don't know how it ends, but your face is going to implode. <laughs> and, I, you know, there was a, that one particular line. I was never sure, like, the way that it's worded, like, the order and, like, the grammar of it. Um, the ending is the part that makes your face implode. Now, is it the audience, like, rather than, like, I, I blew your mind, I made your face implode. Is it, like, what the audience is experiencing is, you know, not literally, but makes your face implode. It was just like, whoa, that ending was so crazy. Or is the actual ending of the film someone's face, hopefully not a real person, but more of a dummy, someone's face imploding? That's more what I thought was it's sort of like the old Maxell commercial with the wind blowing and <laughs> face gets blown away. <laughs> Except you literally see the face implode. Just boom. Yeah. It, it made me think of, um, Oh God. One of my, one of my friends, one of my good buddies, Brandon, he used to watch all these old Kung Fu movies, just more for comedic effect than anything. And there was this one, Oh shit, what was it? Like so like in the 70s and 80s, right? If you're making an action film, you want these big explosions, you want these like big bloody fist fights. Um but like you know, the technology was not quite there, you know, CGI was not a thing. So there'd be makeup, there'd be, you know, whatever you could you could wrangle up even in big budget movies. But like this was like some low budget um I mean I think it was a pretty popular kung fu movie for the time but like paved the way for others but as as its own film like the the fights were hilarious like there was one it made me think of like CSI where like a bullet will go and the camera will follow it inside the person look at the bullet lodging in their liver or whatever because in this scene a guy punches down on top of a guy's skull like on the top and it flashes to like an x-ray where it shows the guy's skull caving in inside of his head as the guy punches him that was the special effect is it switched like a quick cut of a like it was like an x-ray of the guy and his skull is being caved in by this guy's fist and we just watch it over and over because it was so hilarious. Like at the time, the filmmakers were probably like, oh, it's so badass. Look at that. That came out great. But then like in the late 90s, we're watching it and we're like. <laughs> so that's what like I, I go back and forth with this song. Like, is it someone's face actually imploding? And how is this guy going to pull that off? You know, with the low budget that he most likely has. Or is it the audience just like, oh, man, your face is going to implode at this ending. It's just so crazy. It's going to blow your mind. And it's not actually what's happening in the film. 
I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Jacob? It's, it's being about the audience, but I don't, I don't really okay. think about different, different ways to read sentences in these songs that much. Uh, That's what this podcast is all about, man. <laughs> We gotta, we gotta get to the bottom of this. It's important. It's for, it's for you know the history books. We gotta know. So we got, we so we got two. We got Chris saying it's actually happening in the film, and Jacob's thinking it's what's happening to the audience. So I don't, and I could go either way. So call us with your voicemails. What do you think? Two two four eight zero one two nine three zero. Does the face actually implode? We'll never know. It doesn't happen in the Home Star Runner video. That would be a little too dark for Homestar. <laughs> yeah, so you got all these little things. The the color of infinity inside an empty glass. What does that even mean? I mean, the color of infinity... I always just kind of pictured that as kind of like a rainbow type effect. I mean, infinity, how do you even define that? But like the color spectrum, the Roy G. Biv, if you will... Um, Inside of a glass. I don't even know. What do you guys picture when you hear that phrase? The color of infinity inside an empty glass. I almost see that almost like a prism. So it's like the yeah, light so reflecting similar, yeah. off of the empty glass and how everywhere you look, you see a different color. Yeah. 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 I know. It's just like kind of like this phrase where it's like. Again, like if he's home for Thanksgiving and and he and grandma's asking him, Oh, so what are you up to? And and he's like, Picture this, the color of infinity inside an empty glass. That's very nice, sweetie. I'm gonna eat my mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I don't think Jacob, it sounds like you don't know what to make of that either. I don't I, it's just like I think it's supposed to be such a ridiculous phrase that it almost means nothing. <laughs> And and it sounds like he's trying to like frame his shots up by just like again low budget. He's he's squinting his eyes to kind of think like okay how's this gonna look? And then he's flipping the light on and off again. Like you can't get much more low budget than just like here's a special effect. Flip 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 flip. <laughs> yeah, and then you got the the chorus is basically like I mean you know there's there's a lot of recycled lyrics in this and that's fine because it just makes it more singable. Um, in my experimental film, which nobody knows about, and I'm really, honestly, probably never gets made. That's just my guess. Uh, and, you know, he's still figuring it out, figuring out what's going to go in it. So he has so little idea of what's going to happen. He's got these little germs of ideas. My guess is that um, since John Linnell is such a... <laughs> A negative guy that sings the happiest sounding songs. I'm guessing this narrator ends up having to drop out of school f- for getting an F on this project. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of think of this about planning to start like some kind of project, like an experimental film, but I guess not really going further. And right. So if we look at it as not being literal, do we have any takes on it that way? Like not even being about an actual film or or not exactly being about a film? All right, here's a real stretch. Okay. Is this maybe about the band? Uh, explain. Like we keep doing the so we keep doing these different things like we started off with just me and John and everything and we keep 
trying all these different things. We don't really know what it's going to end up as, but we just keep trying and we're still figuring this out because here it is finally here. We got another drummer now on this album. Um, Nothing seems to be that set in stone. We're doing all these different projects because at this point they've been big into digital distribution already. They're doing some commercial work. Mm -hmm. Um, They're really just trying to get themselves out there. They've gotten kicked off a major label. They had the label that Mink Carr was on go under right after it was released. Yeah. So, you know, they've been through a lot of stuff at this point. Been through the ringer. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, yeah, in, in a uh, kicking off this album with a song called Experimental Film, and The Spine is one of their least experimental albums. I mean, it's it's ironic. Yeah, but the lyrical content on the album is yeah. really different. I mean, their lyrics mem- their lyrics never disappoint. Usually, when I say that the spine is a, their most normal album, I'm not talking about the lyrics. Their lyrics are never normal. I'm talking about there's no real genre experiments. Yeah, that of, I'll give you. Outside of spines and stock of wheat, it's just like, I mean, this if if this album was just you know twelve experimental films in a row. You know, I'd be happy with it, but I'd be like, hey, guys, those songs all sounded pretty similar. (laughs) So we got in the interpretations tab, and I don't want to go too deep into this, but the very first one is saying it's a song about pretentiousness. Okay, so whether it's about films or not, I mean, I think the guy is saying that, like, it's about someone with a big head. You know, they've got these grandiose ideas that maybe don't go anywhere, but they think they're hot shit, you know, and they're kind of the song is like bragging to people about this experimental film and how it's going to be so good, but they really don't have any substance to it. So I like number five. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. The one about God. Yes. Wow. What you read, read a little bit of that to us. What, uh... So I think that experimental film is sung from the point of view of God and that the experimental film is actually life. Nobody knows about it because they're all a part of it. And life is such an experiment that not even God himself can explain it. And he is still figuring out yet. Somehow he knows that it's great. The way the movie (laughs) ends means death. Your face implodes because you die. You finally come to realize (laughs) what exactly the experimental film means. And it is so great that it blows your mind, or in this case, your face. The color of infinity inside an empty glass could mean making something beautiful. The color of infinity out of nothing, an empty glass. And that is why the experimental film is so great. Turning off and on the light could be a reference to how movies work that they're just an illusion of movement and how you watch them using persistence of vision. Mm-hmm. John 311. <laughs> wow. Cool. That's pretty deep. Yeah, you know, I, I, I could follow that. I could see that. You know, I honestly, I don't think that's what John Linnell was getting at, but I see could see you making that stretch, and I like the, the explanation. Oh, come on, everything is death. Yeah, with John Linnell, everything is death. You know, for me, I went, I, I didn't go that dark. But mine was more just like the guy drop, the guy has to drop out of school <laughs> and doesn't get his film made. But yeah, sure, dying. I mean, it, it's it's never a bad guess to, to say that a Linnell song ends with someone 
either dead or horribly disfigured. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. There's a lot of interpretations. Let's uh, let, let's. Yeah, this one's wow. What you you got one more? No. Let's not do too many. Oh no? no, there's just a ton of interpretations. For oh this yeah, song. I, th- I thought you found one in particular. There's one that's signed as Strong Rad. <laughs> Something I just realized. One of the directors of the Homestar Runner video, a little yellow thing called the Cheat, is well known for his head exploding from time to time, totally randomly. I do not remember that much about the cartoon. I will take this guy's word for it that the cheat his head explodes sometimes. So, um, but I, I I'm fairly certain that John Linnell wrote this song, and then they're like, "Hey, let's get Homestar Runner to do." It. I don't think they were like, "Oh, this song's about the cheat or making a movie," <laughs> and his head explodes. <laughs> or or I don't th- I don't think either was inspired by each other, uh, though that would make for a cool story. <laughs> Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our podcast friends. Hello, person who probably doesn't already listen to my podcast. Obviously, this podcast, insert podcast name here, is phenomenal because you otherwise wouldn't be listening to it. But you haven't heard phenomenality, yes, that's a word, until you check out my podcast, The Dictionary, which you should definitely do as soon as this episode is done. In each episode, I read a handful of words in the dictionary, along with their definitions, and I'll often add some of my personal thoughts to keep it a little bit more interesting. It can even be used as a sleeping aid. Episodes are family-friendly and short, about 10 to 15 minutes, and air every single day. So, if you're a word nerd, go check out The Dictionary, available on many podcast platforms. Um, anything else about the lyrics before we get to the covers section? Let's go ahead and do that then. So, the Music Box cover, and this is, uh, you found this on YouTube, Music Box Covers. Uh, yep, the YouTube channel is just called Music Box Covers. Um, I'm going to listen to just a little bit of this twinkliness. testament to Linnell's melodies to do I mean if sometimes if you do an instrumental version of something you'll realize like oh that vocal melody really isn't all that interesting maybe you like it for the lyrics or I mean if it's a band that does a lot of talk singing or uh, screaming it's not going to translate to a, uh, a music box cover how would that even go if you weren't even singing a note you were just yelling it it wouldn't even work but with experimental film, and I always, I always picture Linnell writing his melodies with the keyboard, like it just sounds like it would just fit right under your fingers, and so it translates perfectly to, because um, I don't think he like sits there and just like 
yells out words and like just like sings it until he figures it out. It sounds like he does what I do, which is you write the melody and then you figure out words to go with it. Um, so you write it as an instrumental. So therefore, you know, he's got it to the point where it's catchy without any lyrics. So it goes right back to an in- instrumental version quite naturally. Um, Jacob, what do you think of that that music box one? I think like that. I, uh, I mean, I don't know. But when I hear instrumental covers of songs, uh, sometimes my my brain will go back and forth between different verses. Uh, with yeah, yeah, and this isn't even the full song. Yeah, that's true. So it's only fifty three seconds. So you really could put any verse in there. I mean. <laughs> You know, just whichever one you want. <laughs> uh, let's do let's do Mario Paint. Now, I just recently hooked up my. I've got an old TV upstairs in the guest room, old box TV, and um, my Mario Paint cartridge for my SNES will not read. Oh. I was playing. I know. Neither will my NBA Jam. I could get Ken Griffey's baseball to work. I could get. Rock and Roll Racing, a less known game, but one of my favorites. I could get those to work. I still got the mouse and the mouse pad that came with it. I still have the mouse, but I cannot get the game to. It won't like it's just black screen. Won't nothing. No dice. Now this this Mario Paint cover here by RC Planes Fifty Nine uh, is done using a. I mean, I guess essentially called an emulator. Mario Paint Composer dot and let's listen to RC Planes 59 um, Mario Paint version of Experimental Film. This uh, I love the the YouTube uh, descriptions sometimes like this one. Yes, um, it's saying that he this Mario Paint version got posted. On, I'm clicking over to the Facebook link. He says, "Holy crap! I got featured by the band themselves." And let's yeah, see what this says. Yeah, it brings up says. a dead space because uh, it's so long ago. Yeah. Yeah, shit, man. I mean, Facebook would have been... I mean, if this was anywhere near the spine, Facebook existed, but barely. <laughs> I mean, it was this like for was college students only. posted in 09. Okay, still a long time ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how long Facebook servers and shit store things. I mean, I I can't remember ever coming across anything of mine that has disappeared, but um, I don't know. That's weird. Or maybe it happens more to pages. Than I to got personal. reminded thir- that 13 years ago today, I was sorting my They Might Be Giants music because I put that <laughs> as a Facebook status update. <laughs> it's funny to see the old stuff. And you're like, God, 
I was a loser. <laughs> that like, happens oh, to me. I'm still doing that today. Okay. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> well, 13 years later, still doing the same shit. But you know, uh, uh, it's the same thing for me. I look back at stuff. I mean, on occasion, it'll be something like, oh yeah, that was so cool. It's the anniversary of something that cool ha- happened. But lots of times, it's just like, uh, why did I put that on the internet? That's either is a not important or b embarrassing uh but the 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 original thing on this youtube video says i don't really know what to say either out of sheer amazement or that there's nothing i can really say about this it took dot 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 a while a few hours maybe Eh, who am i kidding you all know this song from homestar runner tongue sticking out emoji or emoticon and it's just like (laughs) why it doesn't even say tell you anything it's just the funniest thing to put oh yeah so he just did this in 2009 the video is from 2009 so it sounds yeah. like the band the band must have got wind of it pretty quickly if they posted about it in the same year um there's definitely some stuff on this emulator that cannot happen on regular mario paint so i'm calling bullshit on this no it's fine you know they're using this website to do it there okay so in mario paint and i've talked about this but it's been a while well this like, says peter grich too Right. So, right. There was no Mario Paint 2, though. So this is someone fleshed it out without Nintendo's consent, I'm sure. Um, and because none of this looks to stop, play, add, experimental film, five, six, seven. I don't know what that is. Like, that is not... Like, this does not really look like Mario Paint other than the actual staff part. But on Mario Paint, and I've talked about this when I find uh, Peter Gritch has a whole... Uh, Bandcamp, it's Waymoo, I think, Waymoo.bandcamp, or no, Crisp Crump, Crisp Crump is Peter Gritch, it took me a while to figure that out, has a whole Mario Paint uh, covers album of all different stuff, not just They Might Be Giants, and so I've talked about this before, but it's been a while, Mario Paint can only play quarter notes, okay, so if you look, if you're looking at the YouTube screen, guys, you'll see it'll show a measure and the downbeat of the measure has a yellow line, these little dashed lines, and then each beat has like a dark blue kind of line um, to show, and that's showing the quarter notes. So, dut, 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 dut. And what you're hearing in here is it goes pretty fast. They might be turning the quarter notes to go in double speed so it sounds more like an eighth note. But you start hearing in the chorus on the, yeah, you're all gonna be, and you're hearing these, there is no sound on Mario Paint that can make an extended note. They do oh. not exist. There are only quarter notes. So it would be like, yeah, you're all gonna be in this experimental film. There would be no long sustained chords because an instrument in the original Mario Paint did could not do that. That was the limit of this. Uh, and I love that I, I came up with a bunch of crazy shit and I subscribed to Nintendo Power, which around the time this came out would show you little cheat sheets where you could like look, you could like fold out the page and it have like the theme to Legend of Zelda, how to do it on your Mario Paint and you'd copy it exactly and it would take you like an hour and then you'd play it back and it would be glorious, but it could only play quarter notes. That's it. So this, 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 uh... But something about those limitations is what made it fun. Like hearing this, it sounds really cool. And RC Planes 59 did a, a good job with it. And it took a few hours, maybe? Question mark. Um, but there, 
is stuff in here that you could not have done on actual Mario Paint, and that's probably why it has one thumbs down. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'll give it a thumbs up. Um, yeah, neither of you guys were Mario Paint people. But, I mean, Chris, you like the sound of it? I mean, it's it's kind of yeah. along the lines of chiptune, but it's its own thing. Yeah, um, I found it enjoyable, and I was like, yeah, it's got that 8-16-bit sound, which always works well. And it's just a very retro tune. Yeah, it, it sounds great. You like it, Jacob? Yeah, I like it. Um, I was somewhat familiar with how this, like the different piranha plant and the mushrooms are and the cars and boat. Yeah, they're all different instruments. So ha- have you played it or no? Have you played Mario Paint? I don't know. I I played similar games with notation like the instruments. Uh, I, yeah, I'm like I said, I couldn't get it to fire back up, but I do remember pretty well that the the um the mushrooms are like a bass drum. So they're like dun 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 and the boats are like the high kind of percussion sound, like ks, 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 almost like a cymbal or a hi hat or something. The you know, it's showing the 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 fire flowers as like a trumpet sound, or not the fire flowers. The um, what do you call it? The little chompy guys. <laughs> I played enough Mario. I think you think I know the name of those guys. Uh, the little red chompy guys. But I believe the fire flowers were actually the trumpet sounds, which which again is weird to me because you see it scrolling through and you hear something that sounds like trumpets. Um, but it's not, uh, the fire flowers are nowhere to be found. Also, I'm seeing sharps. So yeah, the, there's, there's, there's notes that are sharped in here, which also is not a thing on the original Mario Paint. Chrissy you, Plains 59 left a comment about how to do it in this emulator. Like with, oh, there's a comment in here. Yeah. Sharp. I really hate answering these questions. Oh yeah. Since you sharp and fly instead of. Oh, in the emulator, you could shift to while you click a note to make it sharp. Control while you click it to make it flat. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to maybe use one of these emulators, but mainly I want to get my real Mario Paint to work. I don't know. Maybe I need to get some, like, deoxidation stuff or something. You know, this. I don't know. Those cartridges. I don't know. This website is no longer around either. Oh no! I'll ask Peter what he uses because I think he's—he's—I'm sure there's some something out there for Mario Paint. It—it it lives on. Mostly, what I did though, even more than the music, was I'd make crude animations um, of Mario getting decapitated and stuff like that. So clearly, I'm just like John Linnell in in that way. Is is some of my favorite things are um, people getting horribly injured. <laughs> But that red spray paint can, man, that was just perfect for when his head would pop off because there were little stamps. You could stamp Mario on there and his torso and his head were two different stamps. The reason was so that you could flip it to make him look different ways. But the real reason it was like that is so that his head could pop off and in each frame of the animation, his head goes flying and the red spray paint just blasts out of his neck hole. (laughs) These were the things I was making on Mario Paint. Um, as well as the songs, the animator, the animator was so much fun. Me and my friends would just amuse each other by making the most disturbing 
The most disturbing things you could make with the limited palette that was on there. Great game. Fucking incredible. And that little gray and purple mouse. Still got it. Um, let's move on to this uh, ukulele cover. Mary Catherine Owen um, in 2017 did a cover. MCO, as she goes by Mary Catherine Owen. Uh, I'm going to listen to a little pinch of this again. This is on YouTube here. Squinting my eye and turning off and on and on and off the light is for this experimental film which nobody knows about and which I'm still figuring out what's going to go in my experimental film. Yeah, you're all gonna be in this experimental film and even though I can't explain it I already know how great it is I already know the ending it's the part that makes your face implode I don't know what makes your face implode but that's the way the movie ends and in my experimental film I just love the happy, positive tone of this whole yes. thing. She just looks very happy to be playing it. Yeah, Chris, and this was one that you were like, yeah, we got to do this one. What do you, what do you yeah. like about her cover? What you just said, how like happy she is and everything. Yeah. And ukulele covers tend to work really well with They Might Be Giants, as we learned on the last episode also. Yeah, right. Un- unreprehensible, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was just distracted by an email you just sent us. Yeah, I just what randomly is this? found that. <laughs> I am like, uh, of all they might be giant songs to get played in the middle of a game at Fenway. Yeah, is this... Wait, okay, so I'm just watching this for the first time. Experimental film on Fenway Park, Oregon at Red Sox game. August nineteenth, twenty fourteen. This is uploaded by Jacob. I sent it to you too. JT Cantor one. Let's let's. What is this? TMBG shared this on Facebook, and I posted it to Reddit. But it's fake, right? It's just a cover done like it's... Right? And what's this? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, there's just like this dull crowd roar that you could easily drop in. So it says this was shared by They Might Be Giants on Facebook. So does that confirm that this actually was played at a Red Sox game? I'm unconvinced. I like it as a cover, and I like Let's the conceit that I you're like, find. I, you know, it would be kind of fun to be like, oh, guess what? They Might Be Giants were covered 
by this band in a submarine. Check it out. And it's just like the audio. <laughs> like, oh, it sounds like it's in a submarine. I hear blub, blub, blub. <laughs> It'd be pretty easy to fake it. Are you trying to crack the case here? If it's real? Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. But it's technically a cover. I mean, whether some it was some someone playing it on organ and then making it seem like it's a ballpark organ in an actual game, or it actually got played by whoever the... It was tweeted by somebody named Josh Cantor to... Um, well, this is... That's that's their YouTube. It's JT Cantor. Is yeah. The, the so original. he tweeted that on A2414. Mm-hmm. Right, but was it tweeted um, by the Red Sox? <laughs> it's not real. It sounds cool, though. Wait, I like how fast nope. it is. What? World's coolest job, how Fenway's organist strikes a chord with fans. And uh-huh. he mentions doing this in the what? article. Okay, give me the link. Yeah, hold on. Send him so, over. Yeah, I mean. He also has covered the mountain goats. What? So this is the cool. This is officially the coolest uh, organist, ballpark organist, and they're a dying breed. Is he still playing there? Nancy Faust at, at Comiskey and all through the various uh, White Sox fields. He, she finally retired, and they do not replace her with a human. Uh, they, you know, it's all just they just played fucking. I don't know. They're just playing Spotify <laughs> at the baseball games now. <laughs> So wait, Josh Cantor is the organist at the what? Wait a second. Okay, yeah. let's see. Oh my God, he's been Fenway's organist since 2003. I'm so sorry I doubted you, Josh Cantor. <laughs> wow, man, you might want to like, get this guy on an episode. Holy shit! Yes, yes, REM. And there he is. Look at that guy. Yeah, pretty. <laughs> This is amazing. What what part are you? What part in particular are you laughing at? Super chunk. Oh my god! This guy rules. Wow. He done an episode. Oh, never mind. Oh wow. Okay, yeah, I gotta find this guy in the mountain goats. Amy, aka Spent Gladiator. He's doing deep cuts. I mean, this is stuff where people in the ballpark would not have any idea what it is. They might be like, "Oh, this is a pleasant tune." But can you imagine being a They Might Be Giants fan in the stadium there and being one of, like, maybe maybe there'd be 50 people yeah. at that particular baseball game who'd be like, wait a minute. Because sports and They Might Be Giants don't cross over. Not a whole lot. <laughs> not a whole lot. Though baseball is the nerdier of sports in that it's not, like, super aggressive. It's more of a thinking man sports as far as the big the biggest of the American sports go, um, being that I am both. But that is, I went to Fenway once. It's pretty incredible. But it was long mm-hmm. before this. Um, that is amazing, Josh Cantor. I am going. I will find you. <laughs> uh, I found him. <laughs> he's he's friends with Franz Nikolai. See, we have we have two mutual friends. One person that works at PR with music that that I've worked with for punk news stuff, and another person uh, who's been on the podcast twice, Franz yeah. Nikolai, uh, and it, his 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 Facebook picture is him with an accordion, and then his uh, Facebook banner photo, uh, cover photo is him 
warming up, it looks like, before a game with the empty stands. Okay, friend request sent. <laughs> he likes the mountain goats. He likes super chunk. This guy's got good, good taste. I, I, you shall be mine, Josh Cantor. That was a lot easier than I thought. <laughs> we'll see if he responds. Um, wow. Yeah, I'll be like, dude, we just talked about you. Uh, okay, so let's do one more cover. The one we were talking about. Tell me again, Chris, which guy? David Sperling. David Sperling. Uh, one man band cover. So we're on SoundCloud here. You found this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, soundcloud.com slash 302 underscore Dave. Dave Sperling. Uh, yeah, let's let's check it out. It's a cool little cover photo for the art of him doing the accordion, the guitar, uh, synthesizer, and some vocals. Let's check it out. The color of infinity inside an empty glass. I'm squinting my eye and turning off and on and on and off the lights. It's for this experimental film, which nobody knows about, but which I'm so figuring out what's going to go in my experimental film. Yeah, you're all gonna be in this experimental film, and even though I can't explain it, I already know how great it is. I already know the real solid. I mean, he doesn't take any huge risks with it, but it uh, he definitely gives it its own. his own feel and it's very well put together and I love the multi-tracked instruments. Chris, you 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 picked this one as one of your favorites of the bunch you found. Yeah. I liked how it's one person doing everything and it sounds like a full band. Yeah. Like that's, he's uh, that's really well put together. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great. The drums are definitely a drum machine of some kind, but they're made to sound like, I mean, you could almost pass them off as real. Um, yeah, David Sperling. What else does this guy do? Any other? Let's see. He's got a lot of covers. Uh, Jonathan Coulter cover. Um, Flogging Molly covers. Not too many songs on his uh, SoundCloud, but I'll give him a follow from the Outdoor Valor account what did you think of that one uh jacob one man band thing going on there if you can do that kind of thing it's fun to show it off a little bit look at all these instruments i could play are we ready to score this song fellas no yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) i had to look over to make sure you weren't frozen uh are are you are you digging something else up over there, Christopher? No, I was thinking of what I'm going to score it. Oh yes, it's uh, you know this one's one of the easier ones for me, but I I I go last. I have that authority. I go last. What? Uh, who's going first here to score it? Jacob, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'll do it at eight eight point nine. Uh, like it. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a, a good. Uh, they might be Giants song, and uh, good uh, good opening track. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there. I don't. I couldn't see this going any other place on the album other than the opener. It is. I mean, it would at least have to be in the first three tracks. You gotta, you gotta have that hit single in the first three. People have low attention spans. Even in 2004, it was still the CD era. But you know, if you didn't have your hit up front, people would be like, "Nah, next." Chris, eight point five. Oh wow, this is one of the rare occasions where I mean, I was the one that made the shout out. Like, I need to talk about this goddamn song. Who's gonna talk about it with me? And you two guys came to the rescue. So this is one of the rare occasions where I'm going higher than both of you. I'm going 9.5. This song wow. rules. I've covered it twice. Uh, it is super fun to play. Um, actually, yeah. You know, did I start teaching it to a class at one point just for yucks? It wasn't a first grade. It was a little higher one. I think we had some extra time on some day or other. And oh, like, that would be priceless. A bunch of first graders oh, singing this song. This one's a little too hard for first grade. Um, that would be funny. Just, I mean, picking any of the darker ones. I mean, hell, I had them sing a Particle Man, and that one, while it sounds like a kid's song, is, you know, I mean, way back in the, in the like, right when the song was new, there was that, you know, school children singing Particle Man of, you know, some teacher way back doing it with their kids. And... I remember getting to the line, um, I'm teaching them the lyrics, it's, uh, is he depressed or is he a mess? I'm like, does anyone know what depressed means? Sad? I'm like, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Like, <laughs> let's not get, we're not going to talk about clinical depression and, and psychiatry and antidepressants. Let's, let's just leave it at that. Yeah, he's sad. He's sad and he's a mess. Well, yeah, you know, just watch the Tiny Toons thing. It's fine. Um, but yeah, t- t- I mean, this one, I feel like it was like a third grade or something, they had earned a party for some reason or another, and they were requesting they might be giants. They're like, and I'm like, how about this one? And then uh, we're, I was just bashing on the piano a little bit, and we were just having fun. My job is is pretty cool. <laughs> where I just feel like, hey, let's do a experimental film. Okay. <laughs> As a music teacher, you kind of get to run your own shit. At least, uh, at least in a conservative state where they don't really care what the music or art teachers do. We're not being tested on. The state tests are not. They don't test on music. So I pretty much create my curriculum, and they're lucky that I care enough to make it a good curriculum. But if I want to just bash out a They Might Be Giants song for the last five minutes of class, I can do it. <laughs> so I think that's a wrap on this. Um do you guys, either you have anything you want to mention or plug, or do you want people to find you uh, on the social medias? You can find me on Facebook under my name or Twitter. I am under O-L-I-V-E-I-R-A-C-H. Jacob? Uh, I'm on Facebook and not really anywhere else. he's he's inside an empty glass you could find him in there Uh, (laughs) so you can find this this might be a podcast.com we're on all of the places you'll find it i don't know i don't want to list them all anymore voicemails 224-801-2930 and emails uh and voicemails are the best way if you want to get in the mailbag segment of an episode this might be a pod at gmail 
or call me. I want more voicemails. I like them. Uh, so, fellas, thanks a lot. That uh, Thanks for coming to my rescue. I've been wanting to Always. do this song since, like, day one of the podcast. <laughs> thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Chris. And um, we'll call it a night. It's for this experiment to film Which nobody knows about And which I'm still figuring out What's going to go in my 